This is an SBC Media Partners production. Swung on, hit high and deep. Right field. Good 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 it is Phillies fans, these are your glove stories with Murph. Check out Greg Murphy. Murphy, got a special guest, huh? Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Glove Stories with Murph, presented by the Bet Parks Casino Sportsbook app. And, uh, well, we start season two, and we thought, we got to hit a home run right out of the gate. So we found a guy that hit 382 of them all for the Philadelphia Phillies. As our first guest of season two, we welcome in Ryan Howard. Ryan, great to see you. First and foremost, thanks for being with us. Hey, Murph, man. Great seeing you as well, man. Thanks for having me. All right, let's get started because uh, here on Glove Stories, we, we like to delve into the past and start, uh, you know, and, and hear the stories that uh, made you the ball player that uh, you ended up being in a Phillies uniform, one of the best to ever put the uniform on here in Philadelphia. And it all started, you know, in, you grew up in Missouri. Uh, and uh, I would imagine, and I'm making an assumption here, but were you always one of the bigger kids uh, out there on the field when you're playing ball? <laughs> Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I was always, I guess, like one of the, the, the bigger kids or whatnot. My mom always said that I would hit the ball, um, a little bit further or harder than some of the other kids. So I guess I kind of had that as the, the, the one up. So was, was it always baseball for you? Did you, I mean, what else did you do? I know, I know you did other things in high school, but in terms mm-hmm. of sports, was it always baseball? No, growing up, we played everything. Um, baseball, basketball, soccer, uh, football i only played football a couple years once i got to high school but pretty much just tried to play everything because we went from season to season so um you know baseball basketball soccer was in the fall all that good stuff so we just played as much as as possible and stayed as physically active as as possible you know as as youngsters we all dream of getting to the big leagues in whatever particular sport uh that uh, that you're involved in when was it in your mind that you thought to yourself you know what if i stick with this if i continue to develop i got a chance to play professional baseball um it was funny because people would kind of say stuff when i was about 12 years old or whatnot that like <coughs> excuse me that uh hey like you know you're pretty good at baseball and I wasn't really thinking about it I'm 12 years old and basketball was really my first love so I enjoyed you know playing basketball and playing all the other sports and I guess it wasn't really until high school uh, my dad kind of had a conversation with me and he just said you know if you want to be a a major league baseball player um, because he said like you're different so I guess he kind of saw it in me as well um when i was about 15 16 or whatnot and he said you know you had to carry yourself a certain way and you know act as though you're a major leaguer right now and carry yourself so when you're making decisions and all that good stuff think about that being a professional baseball player and what that might all entail or whatnot so it kind of started when i was like 15 and having that mindset but at the same time i still enjoyed playing all the other sports so it really wasn't, it really didn't take shape until uh, later on in high school where, you know, after basketball was was done and point guards became like six, seven. And I was <laughs> usually the guy that was guarding the six, seven guy. And I was like, my handles aren't, aren't that good. So I'm like, let me go ahead and stick with this baseball thing and try to take that to the next level. Yeah. Um, 
it was really just kind of taking it step by step from there and then going off to, to Missouri State and, and, and playing over there and then kind of seeing what happened from there. Yeah. So you get to Missouri State and uh, I mean, you have a ter- terrific cor- college career. Um, and I would imagine at that point, coaches and scouts and, and other folks are and, and telling you at that point, all right, uh, you're on the right path towards professional baseball. Um, what, what advice? I mean, you got great advice from your father in high school. Did you get any uh, really good advice in college that that kind of uh, continue to set you on that path? Yeah, I mean, you know, Coach G, Coach Gutton down there, Missouri State, great, still there to this day. Um, you know, he was great, man. I mean, he was the one who actually taught me uh, how to hit the ball to the opposite field. Um, when I got to college, I was pretty much like dead red, like pool hitter, hitting the ball right down the line because my dad was kind of like, hey, if you're not pulling the ball, then you're late. And so G kind of got me right in terms of like opening up the entire field and just, you know, kind of going that gap to gap, but like really got me going back to the other side of the field and just really opened it all up for me. So, you know, I think that was some of the, some of the best, uh, some of the best work from, from that standpoint, obviously all the different, you know, coaches that I've had over the years, um, you know, my, my high school summer ball coach, my guy, Darren, um, he was actually a guy who threw to me in the home run derby in St. Louis. And that was very important to me because him being my high school summer ball coach, um, every time I would come home in the off season, you know, he was throwing to me. Anytime I needed, you know, uh, extra work or, or whatever, when I was in college and came home from college break, like D was always there, like throwing for me. So that was extra special for me because I wanted to share that moment with him. It, I, I didn't really care about winning the home run derby. It would have been great. But to be able to kind of share that stage because he had such a, uh, uh, an instrumental part in me being able to make it to those next levels by him volunteering and putting in time to just help me do what I needed to do in terms of just the work, um, you know, was, was something that was very, very special to me. But he's like, you always told me, he's like, you're only as good as your next at bat. Well, so, I, I, you know, whether whether you hit a homer, whether you strike out, like you got to kind of leave it there and just focus on the next at bat and just kind of stay in there now. Certainly good advice in the game of baseball. I'm wondering, was there ever a moment uh, before you got to the big leagues or maybe when you had just gotten there that you, you said to Darren, is it the, Hey, Mm -hmm. one of these days I'm going to be in the home run derby and you're going to throw to me. Did did that conversation ever happen? No, it never, it never (laughs) happened. It never happened. It just so happened to be that like when, you know, the all-star game was in St. Louis in 09 and I hit up my, my buddy who's his brother-in-law and his wife. And I said, Hey, I want to ask Darren if he'll be my BP pitcher for the home run derby. Like, what do you think? And then my, my buddy was like ecstatic. And then his wife just started tearing up. And so, um, it was just one of those things to where I was like, yeah, again, I didn't want to share that moment with, with anybody else but him having him out there as, as my BP pitcher. That, that is such a great story. I I'll tell you what, when I sit back and watch the home run derby, I'm not nervous for you guys. I, I'm nervous. For <laughs> those guys. You know, I mean, some of those guys who are like, like Darren, you know, who never played in the big leagues, not a big league coach, not doing it every day. The pressure on those guys. Has yeah. to be enormous, Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He was nervous. He was nervous. I like bet. the first round, like, fortunately we, we made it out of the first round. And, you know, he was, he was nervous, like a little bit going out early on. And I just told him, I was like, 
D, bro. It's just you and me, man. Like old times. We just got a few people <laughs> kind of watching and those <laughs> watching from afar, but it's like, it's the same. And then it just kind of settled down and we just, we just did our thing. Found a groove for sure. Yeah. Uh, what a great story. Um, let's, let's go back a little bit because I want to take you back. You, you moved through the minor leagues very uh, quickly. I first met you in the minor leagues and I think I have this story, right? Was there a, uh, there was a home run derby, I think in maybe the, at the double a level that uh, got rained out or fogged out or snowed out. Do you remember that story? Um, yeah. Bowie, okay. Bowie, Maryland. It was yes, in Bowie, Maryland. Maryland. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And uh, I came down to, I was covering, uh, you know, sports in Philadelphia, came down to cover you in that home run derby. And it ended up getting, I think it was fogged <laughs> out, or rained out or something mm-hmm. along those lines. But, uh, but your name was already obviously being talked about in Philadelphia, this prodigious uh, power hitter that the Phillies had in the minor league system. But we all know the story. They also had a guy uh, named Jim Tomey. He was a pretty good player in his own right up in the big leagues. Um, but your path through the minor leagues was a quick one, relatively speaking. What do you remember most about your time in the minor leagues? Do you remember it as a, a good time? Did you enjoy it at that point? Oh, man. I think the times in the minor leagues, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of guys can kind of attest is, is those are some of the best times you ever have playing baseball. I mean, some of the relationships – uh, the cities that you go to that you probably would never otherwise <laughs> go to or have ever heard of. Um, my first year, you know, going up to Batavia, New York, yeah. you know, between Rochester and Buffalo, um, just that experience is the guys that you meet from different schools, different, different backgrounds. Um, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And especially to kind of playing against guys in other organizations to where, it's it, it, the really kind of cool, unique thing about it is, is that obviously each level you try to progress. So A, double A, triple A, and all the way up. And it's cool when you're playing against guys that are doing the same thing. So like, you know, some of those guys like Robinson Cano, we basically played against each other at like every level. So to be able to like see the progression that he was able to go through and like some of the other guys that, you know, I got a chance to play against and like Batista and all those guys is really cool as well. So it's like, you're coming up in your own organization, but you're also coming up with these guys that aren't in your organization because, you know, you kind of go and hang out and grab dinner and all that kind of stuff in the minor leagues as well. Yeah. And I would imagine when you all get to the big leagues, uh, you keep an eye on one another as well. I mean, obviously you're playing against them. They're the enemy when they're, you know, you're in between the lines, but you know, uh, the friendships are there and the connections mm-hmm. are there. And and did you keep an eye on those kinds of guys uh, th- during your big league career? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You definitely would like keep an eye on those guys. And again, like I said, it's uh, you know, you go and hang out and stuff like that whenever they came to your town or you went to their town, but, coming up through the minor leagues and just being able to play against each other and then seeing each other, like all make it in to the big leagues. And now you're playing at that, that highest level. Yeah. You're definitely going to keep, keep tabs and, and see what other guys are doing. Does it seem like a million years ago that you're in the, you know, the roadside hotels and you're, you know, sharing, <laughs> you know, because minor league baseball is a grind and, and it's not glamorous all the time for sure. Uh, but each and every one of you guys, guys that go on to be superstars in the big leagues, 
you all went through that process and you all experienced that same thing. But does it feel like a lifetime ago for you now? Oh, man. You know what? It's uh, not not really. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it was relatively long time but it's like you, can, you, know, you yeah no i mean it's like but you 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 look at those memories and it's like they sit there just like it was yesterday like it, and it just kind of hits you with some of the the cities and some of the guys that you played against and um yeah i mean it kind of comes back like going from you know going from the roadside hotels and all that kind of stuff it's like we didn't know any better right. you know so it's right. like oh it's cool you know it's like oh we're going to this hotel or this or that or whatever it was it was just about the game you know, now the bus rides, you, you <laughs> never forget the bus rides, yeah. um, the 17 the hour bus rides from Lakewood, New Jersey to Rome, Georgia, all that kind of stuff where, you know, guys are up in the middle of the night and all that. And, you know, you're making stops at like a quickie mart at two in the morning and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it was all part of the process and, you know, enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you've mentioned the bus rides. So many guys that we've had on the podcast have talked about uh, the bus rides and, you know, you've, the, the, the middle infielder that can stick himself up into the luggage rack and get a great night's sleep. <laughs> right? that, that's not you. you. You weren't a guy that was able to do that. I would imagine even just getting comfortable on the bus oh, was man. a challenge for you. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you know what? The, the funniest thing was when everybody's passed out, you've just got bodies everywhere. And then there's always you, you when you wake up and you got to go to the back of the bus to go to the bathroom and you're like jumping and crawling over seats and trying not to step on people like you know you may have some people sleeping on the floor like in the middle of the of the aisle and all that kind of stuff so you you figure out a way to navigate on those buses and and get back and try to get as comfortable as you possibly can it's like American Ninja Warrior. It's where it all started. Yeah. Like minor league buses. <laughs> yes, yeah, you exactly. Back to the bathroom. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't think, uh, you know, baseball fans don't always think about the the path that leads to the big leagues. They, they hear about the plane rides and the fancy hotels and all that up here. But uh, it's it's just getting here. And so many guys, you know, get here for a cup of coffee or whatever uh, and head back to the minors. It's it's a challenge for sure. Um, all right. Well, you come up to the big leagues uh, and you get your your September call up. What do you remember about your major league debut? Were nerves there? Uh, you knew you were getting a little oh, bit man. of a shot, a little bit of a look. Yeah, it was uh, it was exciting. I mean, anytime you get that call saying, hey, you're you're going up. Um, I mean, that's what you do all the work for. Um, you know, you're, you're doing all this work to be able to get up and, and go to the major leagues and and hopefully be able to stay in the major leagues and ultimately try to compete for a championship. I already knew, you know, obviously having Tommy there, um, yeah. playing time was going to be limited. But again, it was kind of like nothing is owed to me, you know, so it was going out, having to earn every bit of it. And obviously the managers that we had, Charlie, uh, Bo was there early on when I first got called up. Um, you know, those are those guys where, hey, you got to go out there, you got to hustle, you got to play, you got to go earn it. So for me, it was, I'm going to go up here and whatever my role is, if it's coming off the bench or if I'm picking up Tommy a day or something like that, basically, I'm going to be the best version of whatever that is. Uh, I know I played every day in the minor leagues and this and that or whatever, but my role has changed right now, accepting what this role is at this time. And do whatever it is I can help my or do whatever it is I can to help the team win in that moment. Cause 
I'm not, I'm not offsetting Tommy yet <laughs> in the month of September or anything like that. So really just tried to get up and just learn and, and do whatever it is I could to, uh, to, to try to help the team win at that point. Do you have a distinct memory of walking into that clubhouse and seeing some of the names? Well, some of the guys, obviously, you knew because uh, they had also come up through the system. But, mm. uh, but you know, a guy like Jim Tomey, he was on a Hall of Fame track at that time. Mm. Uh, and there was a lot of good players in there. I think about Bobby Bray, you know, the good names, big time ball players that you probably had watched as a youngster. Do you remember walking into that clubhouse and looking at the names and thinking? Yeah, yeah. you know, it was it was cool. It was cool. It was like kind of more so at that time it was like be seen not heard so i'm just you know just trying to come in go to my locker and just watching people operate i'm watching bobby come in with the smoothness and he's walking into his locker i see chase like walking over and tome and all those guys so i'm just coming in just hey i'm just trying to stay out of the way man get my stuff and go about going out there and go getting getting ready for the game yeah, it, it, I, again, I always enjoy listening to ballplayers talk about those moments because they're moments you're never going to forget. Obviously, they're, yeah. they're transcendental moments in your life that, uh, you know, really set you on the next path. You didn't know what was in store for you back in 2004, uh, but uh, the story obviously has been written now. We're going to talk more about that coming up here on Glove Stories with Murph. Ryan Howard is our guest, uh, season two, episode one. And uh, well, we have a couple of special guests that we like to bring in kind of like a this is your life ryan howard in the, in the <laughs> baseball uh, a couple of guys that i think know you fairly well and uh i think we'll have a lot of fun so uh, we're gonna take a quick break but when we come back those special guests join myself and ryan howard so stay with us the all-new bet parks casino and sportsbook app is here for both pennsylvania and new jersey get in on all the action whether it's baseball the basketball and hockey playoffs golf all your favorite sports download the all-new bet parks casino and sportsbook app and make your first bet risk-free up to 750 dollars bet more than the score bet on individual player performances for hits home runs and strikeouts bet innings first team to score and more bet parks is the only sportsbook and casino app that i recommend the bet parks casino and sportsbook app where odds bets slots and games all come together in perfect harmony right in your pocket Sportsbook and all your favorite casino games for real money, all in one amazing app. Live in-game betting lets you bet while you watch the game. Download right now in the App Store, Google Play Store, or at BetParks.com and use my promo code MURF. BetParks is also an official proud betting operator of the PGA Tour. The all-new BetParks Casino and Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And welcome back to season two of Glove Stories with Murph, uh, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. It is good to have you with us. And it is really good to have Brian Howard as our first guest this season. And we brought in a couple of, uh, well, other familiar faces that I think all of you will know. Charlie Manuel and Larry Boa join us now here on the podcast. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us. You'll be with us each and every week throughout season two here on Glove Stories with Murph, and we could not be more excited about it. I, th I think you know the guy in the uh, top left corner here, um, here on our uh, uh, YouTube channel and on the podcast, but uh, Larry, let me start with you, because in 2004, this uh, young man who said uh, that he was just trying to be not seen uh, and or seen and not heard <laughs> at the point 
point of being called up, gets his September call up in 2004. I would imagine you get some direction from uh, upstairs about how to use Ryan uh, going forward in the month of September. Uh, you were smart enough to get him in the lineup the first day he was there. That was, that was a good move by you, right? Well, you know, we, we heard about Ryan way before he got to the big leagues, uh, the home runs, and uh, he, we didn't know he was going to be a superstar player. We knew he was going to be a real good player, but he turned out to be a great player. Yeah. And uh, I think the one thing that stands out in my mind more than anything, even watching uh, Howie right now is, you know, when you're a superstar like that, sometimes attitudes come into play. This guy, you wouldn't know if he was playing a ball, big leagues, a tremendous individual on and off the field. He led by example. Uh, and it, I, I was in a tedious situation because obviously, as you stated earlier, Tommy was there who eventually turned out to be a Hall of Fame player. We knew how he was going to play in the big leagues. We didn't know if he was going to play with the Phillies or another team. As it turned out, he did turn, uh, turn out to be a Philly for his whole career. But I think people lose the fact that he's a great guy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think yeah, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, you know, he says he came in and kept his eyes uh, and ears open. He <laughs> basically played like that. I mean, I saw him towards the end there, and he just – you know, he led by example. This guy did all his work. Uh, unbelievable power hitter. Uh, I never seen guys hit balls. Him and Tommy in particular hit balls to the left center field as hard and as far as they did. But it was a pleasure the short time that I, at the, at the beginning, got to see him. But then at the end, I saw him towards the end. But, yeah. uh, you know, everything that he's he's done in baseball, he's earned. And, you know, sometimes these guys, Murph, they get caught in the minor leagues. And when you have a guy in front of you like a Tommy, and I look back at our 80 team, we had some good players, but we had an infield that was already set. Mm -hmm. And to see him stick by his beliefs and everything and be patient is something that he's got to be very proud of. Yeah, I, I tip of the cap to Ed Wade, who really had difficult decisions to make early in that period uh, that ended up in a in a 2008 World Series championship. And we know the success. Uh, Ryan, you hear what, what Larry has to say. I wonder if, uh, you know, that look, we, we all know you and, and, and we've gotten to know you over the years. And, and what Larry is saying is is dead on. Is that something that you thought about or is that just something in terms of your personality that just kind of came naturally to you? You know, go out, do your job, be a humble guy. Well, first off, no, I appreciate the words, Bo. I mean, it's the, the the tone was always set because you would see the the Philly teams from the past. So, like, obviously, you would hear about the '80s squad, and you look at those guys. You see Boa on there. You see Smitty on there. You see, you know, Bull and all those guys and how they played. And then, even more recently, you saw the team from the '90s and how those guys played. Like, I couldn't get my hair. You know, I couldn't get enough hair to try to try to get on that kind of squad, but like, but the way that they played and then understanding the mindset and the mantra that is the city of Philadelphia and the city and the, and the Philadelphia fans, you have to come and you have to bring it every day. And that was just always kind of my mindset of, we, we had a different mindset of like, Hey, we're going to go out and we're going to, we're like, we're not friends right now. <laughs> we're we're going to go out here and we're going to try to beat you. Like that was the great thing about Chase is people would always come to me and say, Hey, right. Like, dude, like what's up with Chase? Like, is, is he cool? It's like, no, he's, he's cool. He just, he just hates you when he's playing, but he'll <laughs> say hi afterwards. But like, it's, 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 it was always that kind of stuff. But Ooh. you know, the, the biggest thing kind of going back to what Bo said was 
I learned in high school from my, my sophomore coach in high school where I got sent down from the varsity team as a, as a sophomore. And it was me and another kid that were both sophomores that were going on the varsity team. And they kept him because he was a pitcher, third baseman. But they sent me back down. And the first thing my coach said was, hey, I know you're disappointed, but you got two choices. So you can either focus on everything you want to do and, and, and all put all your energy into trying to get back up to the varsity team. Or you can sit here and sulk and sing about your shoulda, coulda, wouldas. And so I made my mind up from that moment to where it's like, you're right. I'm going to just put all my energy and focus into getting back up on this varsity team and then did what I needed to do at that level and got back up on the varsity team as a sophomore. So fast forward to kind of the Tomei situation. It's like, I understand the organization has this, um, they, they went and signed home and I'm kind of like, Hey, I can either sit here and, and be like, you know, damn, they just signed Jim Tomey. I'll never make it or put my focus into getting into the big leagues, whether that was in a Phillies uniform or elsewhere. Right. Charlie, uh, you know, when, when you, when I see you two together, I mean, I forever in Phillies history, you guys will be linked uh, along with the rest of the, of the faces uh, from that era. Um, I, I know you're so proud of what he was able to accomplish, but I want to bring you back to the early years, 2005, 2006. When did you start to see, I, I, you know, I know, Ryan was a great prospect, but when did you start to think to yourself, oh boy, we've got something special in our hands? You know, Murph, uh, first time I saw him was in spring training uh, and uh, he was hitting off of uh, of the left-hander from the Yankees. uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, Pettit. Pettit. Andy Pettit. Pettit hit a home run to left center. He hit a bomb to left center field. That's the first time I saw him hit. And then later on that spring, when when all the teams were settled, he was, you know, like he was playing in Clearwater. And the first game I went to, you know, like I, I saw him and he was, uh, uh, you know, like he showed me a strong throwing arm. And I used to brag on his arm. He'll tell you about it and things like that. But he had a home run to left, left, like left center field. And he was standing way real deep in the batter's box and was sitting there and it, uh there was guys sitting on the bench there, Doobie, uh, Raleigh, Diarmas, uh, Milt Thompson, uh, 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 Donnie Long, all these guys. And they were talking about, oh, look at all that awful power. And I thought to myself, <laughs> look at this guy, man. He's hitting the fields pointed that way. And he actually hit a natural home run, that, like a right-hand hitter. But and, and I always, from that day on, you know, like when, that day I talked to him too. And I remember the first time I ever talked to him, and I said to him, uh, and I was talking to him about his hit, and I'm sure I said something about his hitting to him, about uh, how he hit or something. But I also, I remember saying, uh, hey, look, he, I said, you're going to hit 40 home runs. And he, and he mentioned like, like a ball, like, is the, you know, like is, is, uh, nobody hits 40 home runs at a ball because he don't stay there that long or something. And I thought, and I looked at him and I said, hey, look, I'm not talking about a ball. I'm talking about the big legs. And he said, oh, the big leagues. I remember that just like it was yesterday. <laughs> right? <laughs> and from that remember day, that? Over there, so, yeah. I, from oh, that day yeah. on, I you know, yeah, now listen, from that day on, I've always told people, and uh, Bo's been around me a lot here the last few years, and I look at Ryan, and Ryan is, uh, to me, is a guy that uh, 
I played a part on his development through the minor leagues and stuff, but we also had a lot of other guys. He had a lot of, he had a, a we had, all of us used to sit and talk about how, how good he could be and how he, and how good he was going to be and how, and how we could help him. And I think uh, he was, was so, he was so coachable uh, in the minor leagues and stuff. And like Bo just got through saying, Hey, Hey, hey Ryan, uh, Howard, I earned every chance he ever got in this game by his performance and things. And I, and I look at Ryan, Ryan as one of the guys that uh, a lot of people in our organization had, you know, like they had a part in his development. And uh, look, he was to me like, you know, he, he was a big time player. You could see it right from the start. And uh, every time we, uh, he used to ask me all the time, hey, Chuck, when am I going or where, uh, when am I going to go up and things like that. And I used to be, ah, when it's ready, you're going to be all right. You're fine like this. And uh, really, I always knew that he had when he, if he got a chance to hit in the big leagues that he would hit. And I'll tell you a couple of other stories, you know, like one of them was, uh, you know, like uh, Pat Burrow, you know, like uh, he was he was our four hole hitter at one at, at that time when Ryan, when we set it on the starting lineup, I told Pat Burrow, I said, uh, I said, Pat, you, you my left fielder. I said, uh, but you're not going to hit fourth. I said, Ryan Howard's hitting fourth. And I said, the reason is you capable of hitting 30 to 35. Ryan's capable of hitting 45 to 50 or 60. <laughs> I can remember. And then, you know, like people used to ask me about him. Uh, did I think he could hit 300? And I said, you know, like at that time too, you know, like I said, yes, I said, I see him hitting 300. Well, the next season he actually hit 313 and that was a big, yeah. big year. And you know, like in our first stretch, I tell everybody, I was talking about him to Milt yesterday and for about four or five years there, Ryan Howard to me, like, uh, he would, uh, I considered him the best hitter in the national league. And I mean, I say that all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and not only that, uh, Ryan's one of my guys, you know, we had, I always looked at my team as a puzzle and I named him big piece cause he was a big piece of the puzzle. <laughs> uh, side note, I had a big piece chicken sandwich at the ballpark yesterday and it was delicious Ryan Howard. So uh, uh, appreciate it. Ryan, so did I. It was really good, but I expect to eat some of those free though, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell him, you know, a guy. You know, Brian, let me ask you before I bring Bo back in here. Let me ask you, you, you heard Charlie talking about uh, how they would sit around and talk about your development and, and, you know, and, and obviously ball clubs do that with lots of players, but you know, you were a, a special part of what this future holds in the grand scheme of things. It's interesting to look back. I would think and think to myself, you know what? or yourself, I, maybe I was in the exact spot I was supposed to be in all along, even with Jim Tomey there and, and all the questions, whether you're going to play in Philly or not at the end of the day, probably exactly where you should have been. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have to look at it that way. I mean, it's again, you can take a lot of shoulda, coulda, wouldas like, what if this, what if that, what if I would have got, you know, I think at that time when I was in double a, there was the, the talk of the Chris Benson trade and it's like, okay, well, what, what could it have been or what would it have been had I gone to Pittsburgh? Would I have had the same success where, you know, you just never know. And I think again, yeah, it all worked out and played out the way that it was supposed to be. And all my, my managers, my, my, my hitting coaches and all that coming up, Manny Amador was my guy and in, uh, in Clearwater, um, Johnny Mo, John Morris actually, you know, helped me out a lot too in double a because I think Johnny Moe was the first coach 
to really make us as hitters like figure it out on our own. And he would have the answer, but he would ask, okay, like what's, okay, if you're doing this, well, what do you think you need to do? Or how do you think you can, because he's like, I may not be here for you all the time. So you've got to figure it out and then help us really learn how to, instead of making, you know, going from making adjustment from adjustment to adjustment from at bat to at bat, then learning how to do it pitch to pitch. So we could stay within. So like, again, the, the, the development coming through with, with all the hitting coaches that I had, like Charlie and Bo said, yeah, it definitely played a huge part, but I definitely think it played the way it was supposed to. I think having Tommy, um, everybody wants to be in the big leagues like yesterday, right? right? As soon as you step in the minor leagues, but in all actuality, it's like, could I have been up earlier? Sure. You know, maybe, but would I have still been able to have that type of development and understanding to where I'm in the big leagues, maybe I'm struggling and then I get sit down. Now my confidence takes a hit, this, that, or whatever. I thought with Tome, it was kind of a blessing in the skies because it allowed me to say, okay, well, they're not going to rush me. So I'm going to just kind of, I'm going to take my time and just make sure that I'm developed and do what I need to do to where when the time comes, whether it's with the Phillies or whether it's with another team, I'm ready to go. Right. So yeah. I think it all played out the way that it was supposed to play out. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Are you rookie of the year? Are you MVP in year two? You know, things, things that you did accomplish, who knows what happens right. uh, if, if it doesn't play out that way. All right. We got about a minute or a short period of time left with Ryan, but Bo, let me bring you back in because you heard what Charlie had to say about, uh, you know, Charlie had a front row seat watching Ryan's development and saying the best hitter in the national league. You were watching it from a different perspective uh, yeah. at that at that point, uh, what was the outside impressions of, of Ryan Howard as you were uh, elsewhere in the National League? Well, uh, when I went to the Dodgers, obviously, with Joe Torrey to coach third, as good as Charlie's lineup was in 08, I hated to see Howie come up. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting on the other side, and I'm saying, I'll take any hitter in that lineup. Uh, I, I just don't want Howie to come up with men on base. And But I knew what – what to expect because I had seen the development as I was in the other organizations. So, you know, one other thing that I I will bring up Murph, you know, how he was established towards the end of his career when I went back with the Phillies and Coton and been, been the bench coach there. And I remember in spring training, this guy, I said, let's go out early for some ground balls and that on the half field. And not one, you know, a lot of times those guys could say, Hey, Bo, come on, man. I got 10 years. I'm an all-star. I have 380 home, you know, Not one time did he do that. He went out there. He always worked. He stayed on top of things. And I think that's the one thing, not only his career that you look back on and admire, but his work ethic and he stayed humble through his whole career. But I'll be honest with you. I didn't like Howie when I had that blue uniform. (laughs) I didn't want him coming up. I mean, uh, and eventually he did hurt us. uh, And of course, we all know the story there. They, they eliminated, uh, eliminated us twice and we had some good teams there, but, uh, you know, he, like I said, he had a great career and uh, I, I, I just noticed last year that the Hall of Fame voting and everything, to me, that's a joke that the votes that he got, he should get a lot more votes. And I would think that he would be right up there, not maybe the first ballot, but he's a guy that you've got to consider to be a Hall of Fame player. 
And but again, I didn't like Howie when I had that blue uniform on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can understand that. I think Ryan can understand that probably as well. All right, Ryan, before we let you go, uh, you're gonna get final word here yeah. uh, with with these guys. Mm-hmm. But um, you three share something that very few people share, and that's winning in the city of Philadelphia. And for for Larry Boa, for Charlie Manuel, for Ryan Howard, that is life-changing. There's no there's no other way to describe it because of the way the city um, embraces our winners, right? Uh, we didn't have we haven't had a whole lot of them. So when when we do, we love it. Just sharing that bond with Charlie and Larry and the guys that uh, you played with and you know the coaches and um, just how special is that for you, Ryan? And, and and how special will it be for for the future? Oh man, I mean, again, it's like I said, the the, the first step is when you first get that opportunity, you get that call up to the big leagues. And I've always said this, um, you know, it's when you're in there, like, yeah, there's, there's the money and all that kind of stuff that can come with it, but money can't buy you championships and you have to go out, you have to perform, you have to have, you know, great coaches, great staff, great teammates to be able to do that. And again, like I said, playing in, Philadelphia, understanding that that fan base, that crowd. Uh, people always talked about when we played Tampa Bay in the World Series about how loud it was going to be. And when we got to Tampa Bay, I was like, it was loud, but I was like, Citizens Bank Park to me was way louder. And there was just the electricity, the energy that would come through, um, through the fan base there. But I think having been able to, to, to play in the city of Philadelphia, playing for those fans and seeing the electricity and the energy that they would provide uh, when we were, when we were going well, like that's what it's all about. Like if, like our thing was the, the funny thing I always say about our team was, and Bo probably has the same thing where he could look at it back for, from the 80 squad was you look at everybody on that team. And you've got a cast of characters where Brett Myers, everybody knew he was the crazy one. Shane <laughs> couldn't have enough sugar. Jason was Jason. Pat was Pat. Chase was like the hard nose. Jimmy was like the swagger, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, when you peeled back all the layers, we all wanted to win. And that was it. That was it. I remember the first time I met Brett Myers in the minor leagues and and we were at Ebor City in Tampa. I'll tell this story real quick. <laughs> we're in Ebor City in Tampa. We're out, like a bunch of guys out. I think it was like FIL or something like that. My first FIL or second. And I go up and one of the guys is like, oh, yeah, Brett Myers is over there. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like I go up to go meet him. And Brett's like, I was like, hey, what's up, man? I'm Ryan Howard and this and that. And Brett's like, I know who you are. He's like... <laughs> And Bo knows, Bo knows, that's <laughs> like, I know who you are. He's like, I'll strike you. I'll strike your A out right now, bro. I was like, I was like, all right, well, I mean, this is kind of an awkward place, but I say, hey, bro, we can get to the complex. And we got space and opportunity. And that was the thing about it is that we didn't back down from anybody. So it was like Brett coming at me. I'm like, I never met this dude, but hey, bro, let's go get it. Like, let's, let's make it happen. And I think that like Bo, obviously, you know, it's, they probably had those same guys and Charlie as well to where it's like, all right, you're going to come at me. I'm going to come at you. One of us is going to come out. So let's, let's go. Yeah. And then we had a whole, we had a whole team of those guys. Ultimately when you're pulling in the, in all in the same direction, good things happen. Yeah. 
that's yeah, what happened uh, in the city of Philadelphia. All right. Well, Ryan, uh, I, I promise not to keep you longer than those 40 home runs that Charlie promised. Uh, 40 minutes, 40 home runs. <laughs> I, I should have gone with the 58. That was my mistake. But uh, hey, all good. All good. It was, it was great having you. We really appreciate uh, you joining us here um, on the show. And uh, all the best success with your uh, lots of ventures that you've got going on. I mentioned uh, Colby's uh, at the ballpark now. If you're looking for good eats, uh, the yeah, chicken sa- three different chicken sandwiches uh, yes. that they offer uh, over there. But uh, the big piece uh, is the one I tried, and it was excellent. So, Ryan, thanks for being with us. We, we hope we can talk to you again some point down the line, but uh, it was really good to see you. Sounds great. Thank you guys so much for having me. Appreciate it, guys. Bo, okay, uh, Charlie, love you all, man. Be good. Take care, buddy. All right. right. We're going to take a quick time out, but Charlie and Larry are going to stay with us. And we're going to talk a little bit about sluggers in major league baseball, uh, big time home run hitters and Charlie and Larry's thoughts on those guys. So let's take a quick break here on glove stories with Murph presented by bet parks, casino sportsbook app. Uh, We'll be right back after this. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app is here for both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Get in on all the action, whether it's baseball, the basketball and hockey playoffs, golf, all your favorite sports. Download the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app and make your first bet risk-free up to $750. Bet more than the score. Bet on individual player performances for hits, home runs, and strikeouts. Bet innings, first team to score, and more. Bet Parks is the only sportsbook and casino app that I recommend. The Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, where odds, bets, slots, and games all come together in perfect harmony right in your pocket. Sportsbook and all your favorite casino games for real money, all in one amazing app. Live in-game betting lets you bet while you watch the game. Download right now in the App Store, Google Play Store, or at BetParks.com and use my promo code MURPH. Bet Parks is also an official proud betting operator of the PGA Tour. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Glove Stories with Murph. We are with Charlie Manuel and Larry Boa. Of course, Glove Stories with Murph presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. And uh, guys, great conversation with Ryan Howard. He's really so much fun to talk to. And when you think about Ryan, Charlie, obviously Slugger comes to mind. Uh, uh, Just a a home run hitter, uh, 382 career home runs in his time in the big leagues. You've been around a lot of sluggers in your lifetime. And I know you, uh, you get excited excited every time you are. So tell me, um, who was one of the best that you ever saw? Maybe someone that we don't talk about a whole lot. I don't know. You know, you know, Murph, when I, when I think about it and all the, uh, uh, my pitchers would tell you that I love to see long home runs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, uh, I gotta, I gotta definitely put, uh, Tommy and, uh, Ryan Howard right in there with anybody I've ever seen. I, McGuire used to really hit some hard, long home runs. You know, like I seen, uh, I played with a guy who I always thought was probably the best one ever that I played with, and that was uh, Killebrew. I, yeah. And uh, and I, I think about some of the balls I've seen hit. I've seen guys like Winfield. I could go on forever and tell you about how far guys hit home runs and things. And uh, but you know, when I get right down to it, uh, I think for me, the long home runs I enjoy more. I, I think probably over-exaggerate them. And, uh, you know, like in saying that, I want to make sure I get this point across. The guy, the two guys I know 
that Barry Bonds could hit the ball a long ways. I, I could sit here for you could too, name them forever. But the two guys that come into my mind didn't did not hit long home runs, and they were Hank Aaron and Sod Hodder O. Okay. Hank Aaron, Hank Aaron, I I when I, I used to get to play against him at times, and he was before my time, of course. And I but I got to play with him at the end of his career, and no one ever talked about tape measure home runs. Nobody ever said anything about him except you look up and he had 755 home runs. Yeah. And then I put Sada Sada O right in that cl- class. I never heard anyone say how far he hit one or anything like that. And I think he hit over 800 and some. And the one I think about it, and we start talking about who hit the longest ones and things like that. And I, and I kind of, my mind kind of goes back to those two guys, but because they were the ones that were hitting them so consistent. Yeah. And if you stop and think about it and, uh, and, but we can, I can sit here. I've seen some, uh, the home run I probably enjoyed the most. Uh, I've seen, uh, I'll tell you, uh, Howard's third deck home run to me was long, but he hit, hit the trolley car in New in San Francisco up at the bottom of the trolley car. You might have been there. And and I seen Tommy hit a ball out of uh, Toronto, you know, like through through that uh, uh, space all the way through the stands there in yeah. that second deck or something, like a low fastball. And I've seen McGuire hit some of the longest ones that I saw in the big leagues, as I can say. I've seen Frank Howard one time hit one. But at the same time, when I think about home runs, I always say it's not how far, it's how many. And the two guys that really pop up in my mind were the, are the two guys that hit the most home runs. And bon, Barry Bonds kind of creeps in there, too, right at, the, right at the start, too. Absolutely. But at the same time, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a topic. It's always a topic somewhere in a bar and things like that. And I'll let Bo talk after right now. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because Larry, I, you know, sluggers, home run hitters, I guess there's a little bit of a difference uh, when you talk about those guys, but, but who are you, you know, who are the guys that pop in your head? Cause you played with a bunch. Obviously uh, what Charlie said about bonds and, and Aaron, I got to play with uh, against Aaron my first year. It was his last. But the, the, the one guy that used to kill us all the time, and, and he hit some big-time bombs, was Willie Stargell oh, yeah. uh, with the Pirates. I mean, he yeah. hit a ball at Veterans Stadium in the third deck. I have never seen a ball yeah. hit that one. I've, I've been around Schmitty. I've been around Tommy. I've been around Howie. Uh, this might yeah. be the longest ball I've ever seen. It, And he also hit a ball completely out of Dodger Stadium. So exactly. he stands out in my mind. But the guy that really stands out um, because he's a 300 hitter is Cabrera for Detroit. Yeah, this guy could hit balls a long way. I got to see him come up his very first game. I was managing in Philly and he was brought up for the Marlins. He had a ball to straightaway center field. This kid was, I think, 19 or 20 years old. I went, wow. And and the first thing that came to my mind, I said, oh, he's probably going to hit home runs. Little did I know, not only did he hit home runs, but he's a 300 lifetime average hitter. So those guys that hit home runs and hit 300, they're very special. You could throw Trout in there right now. But like Charlie said, there's so many guys, and it's really not how far they hit them. But the, the one that stands out is obviously Stargell, because I have never seen a ball hit that far. And I've been around some big-time hitters. And you might as well throw Charlie in there, too, because I go back and look at some video <laughs> of some home runs he hit in Japan. And it doesn't matter if it was Japan or the States. They went a long way. So, But, you know, you, we, like Charlie said, it, it doesn't matter how far, it's just how many. But those guys, there's so many of them. Bonds was another one. Uh, not only uh, the kid, but his dad hit a lot of them. Uh, and, and to see, and th- those were the dead ball era times. Right. Now, these guys, if you put them in this live ball era now, 
There's no telling how many home runs they would hit. It's the truth. Uh, Charlie, you, you, you were laughing. Bo said we both put you on the list. But, I mean, that's the truth, right? I mean, you, you know, you not only like watching home runs, I know for sure you liked hitting them for a time there. Hey, Murph, let me tell you something. If I hit one, if I hit one 400 feet, I'm gonna, if I tell you, it's probably went 550. <laughs> <laughs> I can work. Hey, I, 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 I can always throw a little extra on the end of those. Absolutely. But I want to tell you something. I, I've seen, I've seen some long home runs, and I'm sure Bo has. It's hard, it's hard for me to really point and say, you know, like I seen Dave Kingman hit balls. He really enters my mind because I saw him in the minor leagues hit balls that were un. I mean, and, you know, like it's hard to think. But at the same time. Uh, I kind of overlooked Starger because Starger was one of my favorite guys, and Bo's right. He had a ball out of Dodger Stadium and might still be going. Yeah. And uh, he he used to hit balls that I people used to tell me about him hitting. But, no, you know, I had a few balls that were real good, but those those guys are – they were they – were, those are elite guys who, who have enormous power. And uh, yeah. and uh, uh, Tommy and Howard definitely fits in there somewhere, but but there's, there's, a, there's quite a few of those guys, but – Bo gets back. Bo and I kind of think on the same order of the consistency and also, you know, you know how much, uh, you know, like uh, the performance of the player and, and, and not just being the home run hitter. Uh, but that's what made him a, a good hitter because he, uh, you know, like he had a lot of homers to go on his performances. Willie Mays, you could throw him in there too. Right, right. You know, yeah. the other thing, Murph, on, uh, on uh, I, I left one guy out that I played with and people that listen to the podcast, it, it, well aware of the vet, Greg Lazinski hit the Liberty Bell and straight away center field. That is a long, long way. And uh, not only was Greg a home run hitter, he was a pretty good average hitter. I, yeah. you know, I was very fortunate to play with him and Schmitty. So yeah. I, I got to see firsthand a lot of bombs that went out of vet at the vet because that was not really a hitter's ballpark. And these guys made the ballpark look real small. But uh, like Charlie said, there's so many guys with power and uh, and he mentioned Dave Kingman. I got to see him hit some long balls. Yeah. Uh, he's one of those guys who would probably fit in good now because average really didn't matter with Kingman. He'd hit 230, but he'd hit 45, 50 home runs. So right. there's yeah. so many guys you could put your finger on that were tremendous home run hitters. Now, Willie Stargell's a guy that still keeps me up at night because I was a 10-year-old uh, baseball fan in Philadelphia at that time. And, man, right. <laughs> What a player, him and Dave Parker together. What a lineup that Pirates team had. Uh, guys, great stuff. Some great names, uh, which is what this is all about. Uh, and we'll bring it back to uh, to Ryan Howard, who, who is the, really the inspiration of, of the slugger conversation. Um, but you talk about being consistent in his MVP year, uh, you know, hit for average, 58 home runs, just did it all. And that's why he was the best player in the National League that year. And uh, certainly a lot of fun to watch. Uh, guys, we will see you uh, each and every week here on the podcast and we're really looking forward to it uh once a week we'll uh, have a guest and we'll have charlie and larry on with us as well talking all things baseball here on glove stories so uh we certainly look forward to that as we get things started season two all right sounds good murph yeah all right sounds good murph thanks man all right i'll talk to you both soon and uh we'll put a wrap on this one right after this Glove Stories with Murph is sponsored by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app and is a presentation of SBC Media Partners. The engineer for Glove Stories is Chad Evans. Cindy Webster is our marketing and guest relations director, and our executive producer is Roger Haddon. Whether you are watching us on YouTube or downloading the podcast from one of the major podcast providers like Apple, Google, or Spotify, make sure to hit like and subscribe so that we can let you know when a new episode of Glove Stories is available. 
We'll release new episodes weekly throughout the 2022 Major League Baseball season.